Welcome to Echo, the podcast where we share our personal perspectives on questions about God, spirituality, and the Seventh-day Adventist Church. I'm Ryan Becker, your host. No matter who you are, we hope that you find value and encouragement through real discussions about real things. Let's jump in. Hey guys, welcome back to Echo. My name is Ryan Becker. Really glad that you're with us. And today I'm joined by two awesome guests, Gary Rouse and Ross Knight. Why don't you guys introduce yourselves, Gary? Let's start with you. Okay, I'm the superintendent of education here in the Carolina Conference. Awesome. That's very simple. And Ross? I work as a pastor up in Boone and Banner Elk, North Carolina, here in the Carolina Conference. Awesome. So all three of us Carolina Conference workers, uh, really great and, and um, it's been cool to work alongside you guys and, and to see what you do here. And Ross, I've known you for what, like seven years now. So something like that. Uh, watching our friendship grow and being a part of that has been really cool. Um, so I want to dive into today's topic. We try to get into it as soon as possible because of kind of how long these episodes are. And today I want to talk about something that I don't, we, we brush on a lot. I don't think we ever go very far into outside of maybe a Sabbath morning service. And it's a question I think a lot of people have. It's one that I personally struggled with a lot. And it's this. How do I know God cares for me when everything in my life is falling apart? Like when when I know that my theology or my beliefs say that God loves me, but then I look around me and I see the world around me, whether it's literally the world as far as news is concerned, or maybe it's just friendships falling apart, families falling apart, work whatever it might be. And I go, how do these, how do I reconcile this? Right. So let's start with any initial thoughts you even have on that question. Go ahead. Well, yesterday, for instance, it's interesting that this question comes up today. Yesterday I got to visit one of my church members who's been suffering from lymphoma cancer for the last six months, just started his eighth round of chemo. Now, he's one of my elders, and I have to tell you, there are not many stronger men of God that I have met than this man. And he had this big, full beard the whole time I've known him. And then I walked in there, and I see him with no hair at all. And my natural question is probably to say, Lord, how could you let something like this happen to such a good man? And so part of me asks that question is, why does, why does bad things happen to good people or even good faithful people? And then, but then I wonder, do I ask the same thing when it happens to somebody I don't deem as a good person? You know, someone who is, uh, you know, well, maybe it's okay if it happens to this guy, but not this person, you know? And so, uh, as we were talking yesterday, in fact, we were just kind of sharing and, and, and he tells me, he says, you know, sometimes I wonder why, why I've been able to fight this for the last six, seven months or so. How have I been able to, to fight this when I may not still have a guarantee that I'm going to get past all this? And I just sat there and I said, you don't know the impact, your faith that you have shown throughout this whole process that has been there for all these people who've been watching you go through this. And so for me, what he had to do, and, and this spoke to me really, is that he's asked everyone, don't ask the Lord why. Don't ask God why. I just want to simply 
accept what's going on and continue to praise him no matter what. Even though, as as he said that to me, I can't help but ask that question. Even from the pulpit when I was preaching, I said, why, Lord? Why does this happen? Hmm. That's huge. That's a, that's, a, that's a powerful testimony as well. Gary, what about you? Well, to me, I, th- I think a lot of this is a learning experience that we have. Um, when, when things happen to me today and I'm wondering if God still cares, it needs to be more of a factual thing than a feeling thing. Hmm. Because we're going to, as Christians, feel a lot of things. But we need to cling to the fact that God said he loves us. I also think that it has a lot to do with um, maybe what we've seen in other people's lives, other Christians' lives, and what's happened with them. Um, I know for me, there are certain little things that happened to me when I was just a little kid, and I would pray, and I felt like the Lord answered that prayer. Sometimes I still go back to those and say, you know, I know God did that for me. And so I know he cares. And so then that doesn't become the focus of what's happening around me, whether or not God cares, but more of what can I do now as a Christian to show that I know God cares. That's huge. And and Ross, you, you touched on, on, on something that, that I've recently really begun to think about, which is, you know, everyone asks, why me, right? And, and we do this with good people, right? Why, why this good person? And, and the flip side of that question is, why not? <laughs> why not you, right? God allows the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, and, and, and why not you? And I don't mean that to say, like, you should be specifically targeted, whoever you is, as a general you, but it's a matter of, like, we live in a broken world and we should expect a broken world to act like it's broken and, and for broken things to happen in it. And it's one of those things where, as you said, or as you touched on, right, we are not the judge of someone who's good or someone who is bad. And I honestly, I'm thankful that I'm not the judge of that because I know I would get it wrong. The amount of times I've misread someone's intentions or someone's actions and and so I think it, it also comes down to this faulty view of, of who is good and, and who is bad and who deserves it and who doesn't. Yeah, I, I really like that aspect because so many times that's what we do. God doesn't care because he's allowed this bad thing to happen in my life. And if we go down that road, then what you're ultimately saying is if I follow God – things are going to be wonderful for me. Hmm. Who wouldn't follow God then for wrong reasons? (laughs) Exactly. We live in a sinful world, so bad things happen. A long time ago, Adam and Eve made a choice that we would not be living under God's laws, but under selfish, sinful law. Yeah. And so we have those consequences that happen. Absolutely. You know, isn't it neat that you know, we often think of the bigger examples, like as in my friend who's laying up in a hospital bed right now. But when we're coming back to the original question, how do we know that God cares? I think often we can find that answer in the little things even more than the big things. Uh, for instance, and, and again, see, I'm a pastor, so I come from a pastoral experience. And so some of my stories may come from that context. 
But another church member, she was sharing in a, in a Bible study. We were kind of doing our praises. We were doing uh, things that we were praying for. And she just shared one of the most awesome testimonies that I had heard. She had just moved into a new house, and uh, she liked to work in the garden, and she liked uh, to be able to have lots of fresh tomatoes and zucchini and cucumber and things like that. And so one morning, uh, she hadn't. Uh, she was thinking about it, and she hadn't had a chance to really uh, plant this garden the way she wanted, and so she was missing the tomatoes. And so she literally prayed that morning. She said, Lord, I would really like our family to have some fresh tomatoes uh, this this week. And it was amazing because she had prayed it that morning, and it was only like two hours later that she goes, there's this neighbor comes up and brings two basketfuls of tomato as a welcome to the neighborhood type thing. And then goes, hey, and I have a surplus of tomatoes. So if you ever wanted to come down and just like pick a whole bunch of tomatoes, come on down. And so anyways, their family had all these tomatoes now because of the simple prayer of asking. And so I was thinking in my head, I was saying, wow, the Lord cared enough that doesn't seem like a big thing to be able to provide the tomatoes. But in this small example, uh, God came through and heard this little thing and gave, and I uh, gave her that pick me up. She was looking for, you know, for me, I think that God is looking to put smiles on our faces too. He's looking to, to bless us. Uh, but I guess the question comes in is, Lord, why can you provide the tomatoes sometimes, but that person who's sitting up in a hospital, why can't yeah. he get that direct answer to prayer? Yeah, and, and, and that's that's something that, that really struggles, right? Why does God seemingly care more about whether or not you get your tomatoes and not someone who's dying or suffering? And I think there, there's several different factors there that remind me of why I'm not God, right? Um, whether it's lifestyle stuff or, or, or whatever it might be, uh, that's led someone to whatever point in their life. But even beyond that, can we just be honest about the fact that like logistically smaller prayers are easier to answer <laughs> than bigger ones? Like ending war in the Middle East takes much more work. And if if you're God, probably removing free will from some people in order to make that pull that miracle off, right. as opposed to just getting some tomatoes to show up at your door. Right. Like there's the bigger prayers also logistically take a lot more. And I'm not saying that God's incapable of doing that, but perhaps um, I think the other the other side of it is we do live in a broken world that sin is still present in. And for God to simply remove all that sin um, and, and all that suffering, well, okay, then what was the point of God needing to die in the first place? What was the point of, of God saving? What is God saving us from in that case? And the other thing is, and how else are we, this sounds kind of negative, but in, in my view, it's kind of this thing of, I don't understand just how bad things are. You know, when I was a kid, I try, you know, I, my parents would tell me, don't put your hand on the, on the stove. It's on. And I would do it. And then I would never do it again after I experienced it myself. And I think experiencing and seeing the firsthand effects of sin, of death and of suffering, um, reminds us just of the power and the grace of God and the need for it. Yeah, I I was thinking that same thing. So often we we want things to be wonderful for us, 
but actually we grow in our Christian experience when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. Um, we do that personally, but we also maybe reflect Christ better during those times. To me, one of the biggest witnesses that I've ever seen in somebody else's life is when they're going through really tough times and they have this wonderful spirit. Mm. They have this inner peace that just doesn't make sense with what's happening in their lives. Um, One of the things I've always liked to talk with people about when we're talking why bad things happen to good people or does God care is reasons bad things happen is several things. It could be, I did something stupid. Yeah. You know, (laughs) and I deserved it, right? Like I did something and this is like cause and effect. Exactly. And then the other thing is we live in a sinful world. Yeah. So bad things happen. You know, uh, the other guy made a bad choice and ran into my car. So I'm in an accident. It wasn't my bad choice, but I live in a sinful world where other people can make bad choices. Absolutely. And it could also be that the Lord allowed this to happen so I could witness to somebody else. Hmm. To me, that's something I think we need to look at more than anything else is not that does God care about me, but it's more of I know God cares about me. How can I show that when bad things are happening to Hmm. me? That's a huge one. Well, I was thinking uh, the book Desire of Ages commentates on Jesus' experience at the pool of Bethesda. And so you have the uh, you have him walking into this scene where there are, you know, hundreds of people out there looking to uh, have this miraculous thing happen where, you know, the breeze goes over the water and there's a ripple of the water. The first person who touches the water is healed. And uh, in Desire of Ages, it says that Jesus had a desire to heal every single person that was there. He had a desire to uh, to bring uh, comfort to everyone who was in the midst of struggling. And yet he chose not to because of knowing the reaction of the people and what it would cause and the stir of sensation that this was not the opportunity to do all of what he desired to do in that moment. But then he comes across that crippled man and that desire was too overwhelming to not do anything about it. Like and and so he chooses to, to heal no matter the consequence, no matter the backlash from the mm-hmm. religious leaders of saying, oh, well, you healed on the Sabbath or uh, you did something wrong. So it's interesting in that situation, Jesus overall overwhelming desire to help someone trumped is, well, maybe this isn't the right idea to do right at this Mm. moment. That's huge. And I think, you know, for me, a huge moment that I, something I had to really learn for myself was, you know, well, first of all, I had this mistaken belief that, you know, when I accepted Jesus, my life would get better. And uh, in many ways it has, right? It's become, Mm -hmm. and I wouldn't say better in like quality. I mean, like more fulfilling in its quality, but all of the worst things in my life happened after I accepted Christ, not before. And when I was 17 with in my senior year of high school, which, you know, if you go to a, an Adventist Academy or a private school, like that's your, that's the year you're on top, your top dog. And, uh, within a, within a two month period from October to December, my dad died of a heart attack, had to put down a family dog. A friend died in a car accident and my mom was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Wow. 
And it's like all of that hits. My nickname was Job <laughs> my senior year. All of that hits. And, and, and the one thing that carried me through it was, was this one realization. If I am only going to believe in God when things are good, then is it really belief to begin with? You know, is it really faith in him? And what I remembered is there's another there's another person at work. There's an enemy at work and and he's he's trying to slip us up. He's trying to, to or to trip us up. He's trying to pull us away from God. And he he often gets a victory whenever we try to blame God for all the terrible things. Um, and so what I would rather do is look at Satan and go, no, this is you. And I don't want any part of this. And I'm choosing the fulfilling part of my life that God is carrying me, uh, that, that God carries me through and, and, and God brings me through and, and knowing that God is with me and he has a plan for my life even beyond what I experience here. Uh, to me, the other aspect that we need to think about, you kind of touched on earlier, Christ died for us. Um, but he didn't just come down here and die. He came down and lived a life. Mm-hmm. He went through this world of sin. He didn't have to do that. He chose to do that because he cares about us. Um, it's one thing to suffer when you can't do anything about it. It's another thing to suffer when you could stop all the suffering right now. Yeah. And Jesus had that power, and he chose to suffer on the cross and die. To me, that's so powerful. And we need to stop and look at those things that Christ did voluntarily when we say, does he care because this bad thing's happening in my life? I think, you know, I don't think God is in the business of preventative maintenance. I think he's in the business of eternal salvation. And Francis Chan has this awesome uh, example. There's this old sermon he preached online. You can, you can find it, but he, he pulls out a rope. And he's standing center stage and the rope is going all the way off off stage. And and at the very tip of it that he's holding, there's this little piece of red tape. It's like two, three inches long. And he goes, this is us. This little red tape is our lives. And this is all the perspective we have. And honestly, if you're only midway through that life, you really have half that perspective. He says, but this is all of eternity, this rope going to the end. God has all of this in mind. And we only have this one hyper concentrated area of life. And there's a greater perspective going on. And God is much more interested in, and this, this, he would rather let you hurt for a tiny bit to save you for eternity than to save you from pain now and lose you for eternity. And I would be willing to make that trade for anyone I love. If I have to say, look, it's going to hurt for a bit now, but at the end, it's going to be, it's going to be like, this never even happened. Right. Well, and that's the other thing. We focus on what's happening in this life. This is the bad time. There's nothing good about this life. God wants to take us out of this sinful world and put us in perfection where we were supposed to be. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. That's the end goal. And so God has that in mind, not trying to make sinful life nice. You know, I think, uh, Gary, for instance, you as an educational administrator and, and Ryan and I as pastors, oftentimes we see the big picture when we're making planning and we're, and we're doing things. And when you plan with other people, they can't always see the entire big picture. They're more off in their own sections. But the thing is, is their own sections can become 
the big picture to them. And so they'll come with questions. Well, why is this happening? Why is this happening? Why isn't this, you know, and they don't necessarily see the full big picture. And I think for us as, as people, we live in this present time and we're always in our own present context. We're always in our own personal struggle, our own personal battle. And we say, Lord, can't you see that I'm going through this? And I think sometimes God's saying, you can't see the big picture. You can't see this struggle that you're going through. Although I haven't not caused it, I am allowing you to go through this, not because I don't care, but because I know that it's going to strengthen you or someone else as a result of it. And so our God who sees the big picture, sometimes I think we need to place a little trust in him. Well, that's that's kind of like the entire end of Job, right? Like the entire Job is God saying, you're Job, you're a human. I'm the I'm the guy that created everything. Like, don't worry, I've got this under control. Uh, Thank you guys so much for sharing your thoughts. Let's do I want to I want to give you just one opportunity. Any final things you want to one final thought you want to leave our listeners with? Whoever wants to go first. Well, you kind of stole it because it was oh, Job. Oh, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I love the book of Job. We all want God to come talk to us about why, and that happens with Job. Yeah. Except that he never says why. Yeah. He says, trust me, I'm God. I know so much more than you. And he starts talking about, well, how does the sun burn? You know, where does it get its energy? You know, how how are the stars staying where they're supposed to be. And I think that's something we need to think about. We need to say, you know, I'm not God. I don't understand everything. Huge. Thank you. And and Ross? Well, I think about, uh, I think about how often we're thinking about the big things and does God care about me in this situation? And sometimes we take that big thing and make it everything. You know, if you're looking for areas and you want to really see a tangible example as to where God showed he cared, I would encourage people and listeners, look for the little things. Look for where God blessed you with some tomatoes when you prayed for them. Uh, That's something that I think can enhance your faith. Well, I think, too, and my final thought would be this. I think we also have the power to be reminders of God's care to other people. And, and the way we treat people, especially people who are suffering, but just people in general, right? Like uh, it's never what I found with with uh, depression and things like that is it's it's usually never the people that are always sad all the time. It's the people who are happiest uh, that are the ones that are struggling the most. And so one thing I would encourage people to do is be that reminder for people that God cares about them by caring about them. And by oh, being nice. present in their life. That is that is absolutely huge. Uh, thank you, Ross. Thank you, Gary, for coming on. This has been an awesome conversation. I've really appreciated it. And to our listeners, thank you so much for listening. We hope something here has been beneficial to you and, and can help you on your journey or maybe help you help someone else on theirs. Thank you so much for listening to Echo, and we'll see you next time. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Echo. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay up to date with new episodes as we release them, and for more awesome content from Project Refresh, a ministry of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, then go ahead and hit that subscribe button below. And don't forget to like and leave a comment.